the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the gospel of the Lord. I was um, on the internet this week on Facebook, and I came across a posting uh, by a pastor. And one of the things he wrote in this posting was, he wrote, the Bible is as elusive as hell. He wrote, the Bible is as elusive as hell. Now, that bothered me because I don't think a pastor should do that. I don't think any Christian should do that because hell is the enemy. And damn is the enemy. Jesus Christ came to save us from hell. Save us from being Damned, And yet, for a lot of Christians, those words are, are, are tossed around, don't really think about what they mean. I was playing golf with, a, with a, a church member once, and he missed a putt, and he said, well, I'll be damned. And I said, well, not for missing a putt. <laughs> the Bible is as elusive as hell. People say, that was, as, that was as hard as hell. I heard on the TV this week, somebody said, that was as funny as hell. But the fact of the matter is, that hell is not elusive. Hell is easy to find. Hell is not hard, hell is easy. And hell isn't funny. It's not a joke. Hell is a sad place to be cut off from God forever. That's really sad. Hell is not hard. Heaven. It's heaven that's hard. I want to call you back to to two weeks ago to uh, when I brought my, my... my narrow door. How many of you remember my narrow door? 
For those who don't know, I brought a door in that was six inches wide. Because Jesus said, enter through the narrow door. That was in Luke. In, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. See, it's, it's easy to go to destruction. And Jesus said, there are many who go that way. And then he said, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. See, it's heaven that's hard. And those who find it are few. And Jesus said, strive to enter through the narrow door. Through the narrow door. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, um, where am I? He said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's just the way it is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In the teaching on the narrow door, Jesus said this about a banquet. There's a banquet and, and everybody has come in and then the door is shut. And Jesus says, when once the owner of the house has gone up and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and you knock on the door saying, Lord, open to us. And he will say, I don't know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank with you and you're taught in your streets. But he will say, I do not know where you come from. Go away from here, all you evildoers. You see, hell is easy. It's heaven that's hard. And Jesus said, enter through the, the narrow road. The narrow gate, the narrow door. See, Jesus wasn't a, a feel-good preacher. Jesus told it the way it is. Now, Jesus, he made people feel good. He helped people feel good when he taught, declared the forgiveness of their sins. The woman caught in adultery, who was rescued from the mob who wanted to kill her, and he said, now go away and don't do it anymore. He made her feel good. When he healed people, he freed them from demons, from illness. He made them feel good. He said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. He wants us to feel good. But Jesus wasn't a feel-good preacher. There are lots of feel-good preachers. You see them on TV. They say, what you've got to do is smile. You have to think positive thoughts. And if you send us $100, a lot of good stuff is going to happen to you. But, but Jesus wasn't a feel-good preacher. He told people exactly how things are in the kingdom of God. And that is true in today's reading from the 14th chapter of, of Luke. Now you can imagine, this is the 14th chapter of Luke, and in the 9th chapter, Jesus announced that he was going to Jerusalem... And that he would be killed. And this is the 14th chapter. And Jesus is on his way. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And he's making a, a tour of the towns. And here's what Luke says. 
Now large crowds were traveling with him. We don't know how large a large crowd was, but it was, it was a few people. And Luke says, and he turned and said to them. So you can imagine that Jesus is walking and the folks are behind him. And all of a sudden he stops and he turns and he faces them. And they think, well, he's, he's going to say something. He's going to, he's going to teach us something. I wonder what he's going to say. And this is what Jesus says. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. You can imagine the crowd saying, what did he say? Did I hear the word hate? What's he talking about? Well, listen to it again. Jesus says, whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, if you don't do that, you can't be my disciple, folks. You can't. The crowd must have wondered what was going on. Then he continued. Whoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Wow. Does he really mean that? And they understood what it meant to carry a cross because the Romans were very good at crucifying people to punish them and also to to make a lesson that if you're not a good citizen, you're going to wind up on the cross. And here Jesus says to all these folks who are following him to Jerusalem, unless you... Take up your cross and follow me. You cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus was not a feel-good preacher. He told them how things really are. And I have to say, this is not a feel-good sermon, is it? Jesus said, this is the way it is. And then he went on and underlined this by giving some examples. Now, did you notice a sermon topic for this morning? Anybody notice a sermon topic? Beth noticed it. Do not, oh, there it is. Don't sign the loan papers until you are sure you can make the payments. Now, you understand that, right? If you've ever taken out a mortgage, you you don't sign your name on the dotted line until you're sure you can make the payments. Because if you don't make the payments, you're in trouble. That's what Jesus taught. And he did that with, with two examples. The first was a a guy who was going to build a tower, build some kind of a building. And Jesus said, you know, you have to sit down and count the cost. Can you afford to do it? Because you're going to look like a jerk if it's half finished. And then people say, see, he couldn't couldn't finish what he started. When Val and I lived in Bali, we walked the beach every day. Somebody had to do that. When we lived on Bali, we, we, we walked the beach almost every day. And on, right off the beach, there was a hotel four stories high. It was just a cement shell. And it was unfinished. And it stood there and stood there as a testament to someone's stupidity and inability to count the cost. He started, and he couldn't finish, 
And it was a monument to him. The other thing Jesus says, a king going to war. He's got 10,000 troops. The other guy has 20,000 troops. Now the question is, should they go to war? Well, he's got to count the cost. Whether being down two to one, whether he, that being down two to one, he can fight the battle. And if he, if he can't do it, he has to sue for peace. You see, Jesus wasn't a feel-good preacher. He was an honesty preacher. In all of this, he was saying, hell is easy. It's heaven that's hard. Now, we know as Christians that salvation is free. That's called grace. That's what Christ died to give us. Grace. Salvation is free. You can't earn it. It's a gift. But once you got it, you have to figure it out. What does it mean to be a Christian? St. Paul said to the Philippians, you have to work out your own salvation. Work it out with fear and trembling. And the bottom line is this, that saved people, Christian people, are narrow door people. That's what it means to be a Christian. We walk the narrow road, we go through the narrow gate, we go through the narrow door. As as I've read and thought about this, it's become clear to me over the years that the church has, has lowered its standards for letting people into the church. We've lowered the bar. The church has made the road not narrow but wide, made the gate not narrow but wide, made the door not narrow but wide, because we did that because, well, we want to build our church. We want members. And you certainly don't want to present the message that's going to drive people away. So we've lowered the bar for church membership so that we can build up our church. Someone once said, we've made church membership so easy that once they join, we can't do anything with them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the the, uh, German Lutheran pastor who was killed by the Nazis uh, right at the end of World War II, wrote a book called Nachfolge in German. In German it means following after. And it was translated that the, 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 the title given in English is The Cost of Discipleship. What does discipleship cost? And Bonhoeffer talked about the difference between cheap grace and costly grace. See, we've made, the church has made grace cheap and Bonhoeffer talked about grace as being costly. That hell is easy. It's heaven that's hard. Cheap grace means grace as bargain basement goods. Cut rate forgiveness. Cut rate comfort. Cut rate sacrament. Grace as the church's inexhaustible pantry from which it is poured out without hesitation or limit. 
It is a grace without price. It is a grace without cost. Costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again. The gift which has to be asked for, the door at which one has to knock again and again. It is costly. Grace is costly because it calls to discipleship. It is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. Grace is costly because it costs people their lives. It's grace because it gives them their lives. It is costly because it condemns sin. It is grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, grace is costly because it was costly to God. It cost God the life of God's Son. You were bought with a price. And because nothing can be cheap to us, which is costly to God. And what the church has done, it's preached cheap grace. It's been, the church has been like a mother who is feeding her child some hot cereal and blows on the cereal to cool it because it doesn't want the church, it doesn't want the child to burn its lips. And when Bonhoeffer criticizes people, he criticizes people like me. He doesn't criticize you. He criticizes people like me who have blown on the hotness of the gospel to cool it off because, gee, if I preach that hot gospel, people aren't going to join my church. I see someone sees that, right? That's what we do, isn't it? Isn't it? That's what we do. And, and we do that, preachers do that because it's too hot for us. The gospel becomes too demanding upon us. And so we blow on the gospel, we cool it off, and we also become recipients of cheap grace and the sellers of cheap grace. And we open, the, we open the gate, we open the road, we open the door, and make it easy for people to come in. And Jesus was not a, was not a feel-good preacher. Jesus was a reality pe- preacher. And Jesus preached the narrow road. Jesus preached the narrow gate. Jesus preached the narrow door. Now, for you and me, the challenge of the narrow door in our age has got to do with our attitudes. Has got to do with our conduct. Has got to do with how we live. Has got to do with our our morals and our values because the morals and the values and the conduct out there will never get through the narrow door. And you and I are tempted to be like that. In other ages... The cost of discipleship has been to die. To literally give up your life and die. One of the amazing things about the Christian faith is this. That where the Christian faith is persecuted and people are dying, people are joining. And where things are easy and there is no persecution, people are leaving. In those places where the narrow door is preached, 
people come. And in those places where the, the wide door is preached, people leave. I want to tell you one of my, one of my favorite stories. You, some of you have heard this story before, but it's an important story. I have a lot of favorite stories. This is one of them. There was a church in New York that had a, a very famous boys' choir. And every Sunday, the boys' choir would march into the church singing Onward Christian Soldiers. And one day, the boys had this, had this wonderful idea, let's all go home and build crosses. Let's all go home and build wooden crosses, and then we'll bring them to church next Sunday, and we'll march in carrying our wooden crosses. Well, they came back, and some were big, some were small, some were pretty, some were ugly. And when the choir director came in, <laughs> he, he, he said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. He said, put those crosses over there behind the door and let's go. But the boys had the last laugh. Because as they marched in, they sang this. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. With the cross of Jesus hid behind the door. <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to be serving as the interim pastor of this church. Long time, little time, that's, that's in the future, that's in God's hands. But I promise you this I will not hide the cross behind the door. I will not make the road wide. I will not make the gate wide. I will not make the door wide. I will continue to lift up Jesus Christ as Lord. I will continue to call you and me to follow him. I'll continue to call all of us to go through the narrow door. Because it is only through the narrow door that you find the joys of what it means to be a Christian. Amen.